0: If creation took place in about 6,000 B.C., Joseph died in about 1,600 B.C., there's 24 centuries or 40% of human history in this one book. Joseph is about 2,400 years after Adam. He's only 3,600 years from us. (laughs) He's just about as close to us as he was to Adam the last guy in the book of Genesis. So in these 50 chapters are a huge portion of the world. Now, we, especially as Americans, we struggle with the concept of time. We think the Civil War was a long time ago, as Pastor Jeff said. We we think the founding of basketball was a long time ago. There was, I don't know if he's still alive, but there was a guy in Indiana who... Was conceived when his father was eighty, and then his um, father was conceived likewise when his father was eighty. It's a true story, and and um, so just two generations, in that guy's family puts him before the Civil War. <laughs> just two generations in that guy's family. So we struggle with these long times. We struggle with it. I. I don't remember which one of our kids, your kids have said it too, but at some point in their life, when they're six or seven, they'll be talking about something and they'll say, like, my whole life I've wanted this. As if six years is a, right? In this book are 24 generations. 2,400 years, 40% of human history. It's a long time in this book. A lot of ground is covered in this book. And why was this book written then? Why? why do we have scripture? What's the purpose of it? What's it for? Well, look again at Genesis 1.1. What do we begin with? In the beginning, God. This book, the Bible entirely, <clears throat> is given that we might know God. That's what this is for. If you come to the Bible... For any other main purpose, you're coming for something other than what it's intended for. You come to the Bible to know God. And you come to the Bible to know you, to know us. John Calvin said knowledge is found in two parts, knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And you cannot know God without fundamentally knowing yourself. And when you want to know about yourself, you always want to know about God. This book is about God. We come to this book to know God, which means, of course, you cannot know God apart from God revealing Himself. We know that in creation, we'll get to this in a minute, in creation, God has revealed Himself. But because of our sin, and again, we'll get to this in, in much more, we, we suppress this truth. We will not know it. God must reveal Himself by His Spirit, and even that, or by His Word, but even that's not enough. Because you come to this book on your own terms and you will fashion a God in your own image. You need God's spirit to even unveil this truth for you. And that's what God wants to do in this book. So in Genesis, we begin with creation, with God creating all things. The the pinnacle of this creation is man. Come to know ourselves male and female to have fellowship with God. Yet we know that this fellowship was broken. Because our forefathers, Adam and Eve, Adam, our federal representative, the one who represents us, fell in sin, and so we're born in sin. And now we are born at enmity with God, apart from Him, dead to Him. We don't want Him, we don't like Him, we would have nothing to do with Him. Some of you are students. Right now, and you've been students, all of us have been students in the past, and you've written papers or whatever, and and let's say you wrote one for science. When you wrote those, you likely, it wasn't in your mind to write it from a biblical perspective, to include the glories of God in it explicitly, How could you write something for school and not be explicit about God? It's because we're fallen in sin. We're born ignoring Him. We want nothing to do with Him. Sin has destroyed everything. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have the creation. And then in Genesis 3, we have this fall. And in Genesis 3, 15, I'll close the sermon with this. We have the first hint of God's purpose to redeem his people and this world. And so Genesis begins with creation, with God, with us, with us fallen, and then redemption. There are so many parts of Genesis that are explicitly about salvation. It is a wonder. It is a wonder, a wonder, a wonder, a wonder. And we'll get into some of those in coming weeks. So in, in Genesis, then, we have God... We have creation, especially of man. We have fallen to sin, and then we have redemption. Right? And the rest of the Bible then will work out this theme of redemption. How is God going to save sinners? How is God going to redeem his people? How is God going to redeem this fallen world? And ultimately, it's always pointing to Christ. That's the point. So God has given this to us in order to know him. And the Bible is true. The Bible is eternal. It is God's speaking to us. Every part of it. We believe that God's word is from God. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write exactly what God had written and he has given it to us and preserved it for us. So why won't we accept it? Why won't we yield to it? Why do we rebel against it? Why, when God has plainly put forth that he created all things by his voice, do we believe something else? Why would we instead even consider that the intricacies of a grasshopper or the movement of stars in the sky are due to time... Acting on matter to a big bang. How could we even consider that? Why would we rebel against the creation order? God sovereign over man, man to be head over woman, and man and woman to rule over creation and animals. Why do we rebel against that? Why do people love their cats? more than human beings? Why do we slaughter unborn and put our dogs in hotels? Why do we rebel against God's creation order? Why do we rebel against marriage? Why do we rebel against childbearing? Why do we rebel against having our children leave home? Why? It's sin. You can come face to face with your wickedness in this book, maybe unlike any other place in the Bible. You are fallen, rotten at the core of your being in this book. There's there's two explicit ways you can know this. Look at Genesis 3 with me a moment. In Genesis 3 er, or 3.1, did God actually say, there, there's the beginning of your rebellion against God, you questioning God's word, you doing this? Don't let yourself off the hook here. But there's lots of other people who believe like I do. There's people with PhDs and all other letters behind their name who believe what I believe. But why do you do it? Because you, you question God. You you put God underneath you. You won't submit to His word. you want Him to submit to your word. Did God actually say?" And turn to Romans one, if you would.. <clears throat> Romans chapter one, verses 18 and 19. Here is why we are so wicked. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. This is you. You want to meet yourself? This is you. For what can be known about God is plain to them, is evident to them. Why? Because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, his power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world and things that have made, so that we are without excuse. So why, if somebody made something so evident, don't we see it as that? Let me use kids again. You can tell your child, I want you to pick up your clothes, put them in your drawer. It's evident. It's very clear what you've told them. And then you come in and they haven't done it. And then they they say, well, I I just thought you wanted that piece of clothing. I just thought you wanted me to pick up my pants, but not my shirts. We just suppress evident, plain things in sin. Why can't you read Genesis 1 as it stands? What's, What's the underlying reason? Because in your ungodliness, in your unrighteousness, you suppress the truth. Why can you not believe the creation order of male and then female and then apply it to everyone else? Because of your unrighteousness and ungodliness, you suppress the truth. Why will you not believe that you are born in sin and needing God to come by his spirit and make you alive for you to have any salvation? Why will you not believe that? Because you suppress the truth in your unrighteousness. Why don't marriages last? Why do children rebel? All of these things are plainly evident in the scripture. And you and I and every other son of Adam suppress the truth. It is willful. We are without excuse, God says. And I Genesis, if you want to come face to face with your depravity, if you want to see how weak you are in regards to the things of God, if you want to see how quick you are to dismiss what God has plainly written, read Genesis. If you want to see how desperately you need Jesus Christ Read the first two chapters of Genesis. And so hopefully, God willing, over the next few months, as we work our way through the first two chapters, you will see how you have twisted, lied, believed serpents. And because of this sin, we have death. In Genesis 2.17, God told the man, Adam, You can eat of everything. It's one of the glorious things about God. He says yes to everything but one thing here. God is a father who says yes a lot. Only one no. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and you shall not eat eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. No death before sin. No death for sentient creatures. No death for animals there was plant death there's no death no suffering no bloodshed no killing no dying before man or before death death entered with sin sin entered with man but someone would tell you that the fossil record is a record of million year, millions of years of death before Adam's sin see you understand what I'm saying here When you see fossils, that's a dead animal. (laughs) And some would tell you that there is millions of years of records of death before Adam and Eve. And the Bible plainly tells us that there's an order. Creation, man, sin, and then death. It isn't death and then man. It's man and then death. You following me? You got to think a little bit. It's too hard. Wake up. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? First of all, God is not a God who loves death. He didn't create a world with millions of years of bloodshot and death. He hates bloodshed. He hates death. The Bible is true. When Adam and Eve sinned, their sin brought misery into our world. We live in a fallen, evil world because of their sin and our sin. God isn't bloodthirsty. This is why there is so much enmity in our world. Look at Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve sinned, God comes and judges. Verse 14 God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you. Verse 15 I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Enmity. Why did Cain kill Abel? Why do the ungodly persecute the godly? Why are Muslims slaughtering Christians? Why are abortionists caught killing babies? Why are you fighting with your wife? Why are you hitting your sibling? It's sin. It's death. Our world is fractured because of sin. Our world is at enmity because of sin, and that enmity is first between us and God. But here, specifically, it's between the woman and her offspring and this serpent, the devil. Now, in Genesis, there are many, many, many ways to preach the gospel that Mike Jewell mentioned. You You can pick any chapter in here and see the gospel clearly. But this word in 3.15 is the first word of the gospel. Theologians attach a fancy theological name. This is the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. Here it is. Here's hope right here. Through a woman bearing a son... He would stomp on the serpent's head, crush his head, but he himself would be bruised. Crushing here, this bruising of the head of the serpent here refers to the end of the serpent, doesn't it? The serpent is the devil, he is Satan. And all that his lies and malice brought in this world, this son will undo. The bearing of the child refers ultimately to Christ. The rest of the Bible follows the line of Eve, a godly line tracing all the way from Abraham through the patriarchs, through David, through Mary and Joseph, all the way to Christ. That's what the rest of the Bible is about, the bearing of this son. That's what it is. And he came. Isaiah 53.5, we read that he was bruised for our transgressions. Same word here. In the end of the Bible, we have a serpent tossed in the eternal lake of fire. In Romans 16.20, it says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our, the church's feet. <laughs> Satan is a crushed foe. And he's crushed because Christ was wounded. Because Christ died on a cross in our place for our sin. But the problem with you is you. It's inside of you. The problem isn't sin out there. The problem is sin in here. There's a serpent in here that needs to be crushed, whose head needs to be bruised. You have a snaky heart, don't you? You have a forked tongue. You're slippery. This must be crushed. This must be put to death. You can't do it. It's not only that you can't, it's that you won't. You don't want to. You can't do a whole bunch of good to undo this. No amount of holy religious... Activity will undo this internal serpent existence. God's son must come and die and rise and crush this serpent in you. He must remove it and implant a new spiritually alive heart that loves him, desires to delight him and obey him. This is why... The Bible often refers to salvation in creation terms. Behold, anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. The God who said the light shine of darkness is shown in your heart to give you the light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You can be saved from this fall, from this rebellion against God, from refusing to believe God's word by Christ and Christ alone. He is the point of this entire book. Bible says in Colossians that all things were made by him, through, whom, through him and for him. That's Christ already here in Genesis 1. Bible says that Christ came to redeem all of the sons of Adam. That's him right here. That's us. Christ is the point of this book, and you need him. What do I think? Now, <clears throat> We're going to get into, as I said, six 24-hour days. Believing six 24-hour days can't save you. Only Christ can. You should believe six 24-hour days. That's a fruit of your salvation. Having biblical sexuality in, in right ways, man first, then woman, marriage right, childbearing right, can't save you. Only Christ can. But the fruit of that salvation is believing this. The point of this book is to show you and me that God is God. We are His creation. We are fallen in sin. And God has sent His Son to redeem us in this world. And I urge you to believe it. Let's pray. I praise You for Your Word. It is incredible. It is right. It is true. It is eternal, powerful. You give us faith to believe it, to trust it. Would you call it to see rightly about you and rightly about ourselves, to see our total need for your son. We might bend the knee to him, that we might have faith in him, that we might live to please him above all others, because there is no God but you. And so God grant us that faith now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the charge is to believe that beholding him is the greatest love He could give you. Everything that He's made is God communicating how great He is to you, which is the greatest thing He can do for you. And then God giving His eternal spirit, unfailing word to you is communicating Him to you which is the greatest thing He can do for you. So go here knowing God's love, written in creation, written in His Word, so that you might know Him, which is the most loving thing He can do for you. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. Now may our, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort, And good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts and every good work and word. Amen. I love you. Have a great week in the Lord.